Would you turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 28, first part of Acts 28. While you're turning, Barb and I will be leaving Tuesday for Africa. See our daughter, Courtney, and her family. We'll miss next Sunday being with you, but we'll look forward to seeing you the following Sunday, Lord willing. Appreciate your prayers for us and all that goes on there. <clears throat> Acts 28. Lord, we are approaching your word now with expectation. You promised that it would not return to you void. We open it now and we ask that how it interacts with us and the attention we give it and the responsiveness that we give to you from your word will confirm the truth of your promise that your word cannot return to you without accomplishing that for which you sent it forth. We purpose to make our hearts receptive to your word so that this will come true. I myself as well. Give strength now where there's weakness of uh, speaker or listener. We need you. We don't mind saying that. We are in awe of what you have to say, and we pray that our lives will reflect that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You remember last week the terrible storm, <clears throat> Uraquilo, a violent storm. And they'd been 14 days adrift in the Adriatic, no sign of sun or stars for many days, so they had no way of knowing where they were, navigation or any of that. They were in danger of the sands of Sirtis, washing up on those sandy, uh, barely underwater dunes, and their deep draft ship would surely run aground. They'd be so far from land as not to be even seen, no help, they would likely die. Luke says that as that went on, all hope of our being saved was gradually abandoned. On the 14th day, the ship ran aground on a reef off of an island, and that pounding surf was breaking up the boat. And soon enough, orders came to abandon the ship and swim to shore. Here are some artists' conceptions of what that must have been like. Abandon ship, get off, you know. Can you imagine the sounds of a creaking, groaning ship and watching parts of it just being ripped apart by the pounding surf and waves? And the beginning, then swimming. Some were able to swim, but others were not. Grab what you can and try to get to shore were the orders. And uh, here come some of them making it to shore, others maybe helping one another along. What about the prisoners? Paul was one of the prisoners. I think this, pass, uh, this picture might actually be right, that they still had the chains. What would that have been like to be swimming with at least a chain? <clears throat> and here they come. Amazingly, all 276 people made it. 276 people on that ship, and every one of them made it. Well, here we are in Acts 28. 
The last phrase of 27 says, And thus it happened that they all were brought safely to land. And when they had been safely brought through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. So here in, is the, uh, the island, so small it hardly appears. About nine miles one direction and 13 the other, if I remember correctly, quite small. And um, we think there may have been as many as 5,000 people on the island at that time. They didn't even recognize it. The sailors couldn't even recognize it from sea. We haven't seen that place so much. But here they are on Malta. And the islanders showed us extraordinary kindness. For because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. I'd like for us to imagine ourselves as one of the 276 who just found one way, swam or pushed some piece of wood all the way to shore. Imagine yourself one of those 276 cold and wet. It's a, it's a cold time of year. We think this is, was in November and um, cold time of the year and now it's raining and you're trying to get dry you've got that salty water all over and here comes rain well the islanders must have seen this from the shore seen a ship foundering off the coast and watch it while it gets you know stuck on that reef out there and lo and behold here come people swimming and so 276 people gathered around and the islanders were kind enough and gracious enough to build a fire and help those people dry out. <clears throat> Can you imagine moments before you're on that ship, the sailors are screaming out, you know, trying everything when they're stuck on that reef, trying to get the ship off of that, but there was no use. And then the sound of the ship breaking up imagine what that was like and then over the roar of all the waves and the crashing and the creaking and groaning and splintering of the ship come the orders to abandon ship and here you are you have just swum to or to the shore are you out of breath I think you are are you is your adrenaline out the roof are and here they he, he made it he made and you're I don't know what was it like was there a roll call to see if everybody was here you're dripping wet, it's raining, it's cold, and my, there's a fire. What a sight. I imagine uh, the fire was just wonderful about then. Probably had to have more than one fire, don't you think, for 276 people? Well, <clears throat> let's keep reading. And when the islanders saw, or, but when Paul had gathered, verse 3, a bundle of sticks to lay them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the islanders saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, undoubtedly this man is a murderer, and though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Why would they think that he might have been a murderer? Could it have been one of the chains on his hands? However, Paul shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But when the islanders were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, and he didn't, 
They waited a long time, and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. And it came about that the father of Publius was lying in bed afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him. And after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. And after this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to him and getting cured. And they also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed. And at the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship. Have you ever wondered, we'll stop there, have you ever wondered with this violent storm and then the shipwreck, have you ever wondered, well, let's um, ask that question in a moment. <laughs> um, I wanted to go back over the voyage of the apostle. It was anything but uh, straight. Here they left Judea, they hugged the coast on that small ship, and they went up to the top there, hugging the coast again in that small ship. And then they found another ship headed for Rome, and they got on that ship. But that ship wandered around for many days slowly. With difficulty, Luke says, they made their way. And then finally, they decided to make a run for it. And that's when the violent storm descended on them. And they've been at sea for 14 days. As I said, violent storm, no sign of the sun or stars for many days. And finally they end up on uh, shipwrecked on this island of Malta. The voyage of Paul, we step back and we see Caesarea to Rome and all the turns and so forth in between. It was not a straight voyage, was it? Well, here they are on Malta. They never planned to be on Malta. They never planned to spend the winter on an island that they'd never heard of before. But here they are. And I wonder if you've ever thought, like I have, about this horrendous storm and the shipwreck. What was God doing? Now they're on Malta. Malta was an island that had been settled by Carthaginians and Phoenicians. So it had a language that was Semitic in nature, like Hebrew and Aramaic and Phoenician, but they used the Roman script. This little island is known for its beautiful turquoise seas, and as I said, the population at that time may have been around 5,000. Well, back now to the island of Malta are these 276 souls shivering on the beach after the shipwreck, fire to be warmed by, and then here comes this snake. And the questions were, he must have been a murderer because of those shackles, but justice has not allowed him to, leave, to live. But then he does, of course. So have you ever wondered, why the snake? And what was God doing 
with the snake and by the snake and in the snake incident. Then we come to this man Publius, the leading Roman official, or leading official, and he was a Roman. So Malta had been under Roman rule for some, some considerable time, and this man named Publius was the leading official of the island. So there was at least somebody that spoke Greek to Paul and the others who, who spoke Greek. And his name was Publius, and he entertained them for three days. We're not sure if the them means all 276, or if it was Paul and his two friends, Luke and Aristarchus, or if it was Paul and his friends, and perhaps the centurion and some of those soldiers. But we're told that he entertained them hospitably for three days. Well, as they met them, they learned that Publius's father lay sick in bed. Modern scholars have identified this sickness as Malta fever. They gave it that name. It is common in Malta and other Mediterranean islands. In 1887, the microorganism which causes that sickness was traced to the milk in Maltese goats. Modern medicine has developed a vaccine, but without that vaccine or any medical help, the fever can last for two to three months or even for years. Well, Paul hears about his Publius's father and he goes into him and he prays for him. And of course he was healed. Have you ever wondered what God was doing in the sickness incident? Well, we learn immediately that when the islanders saw that Publius's father was healed, they then, it says, all the islanders were bringing those with all the various diseases. So I don't know how many that are sick at any one given time out of 5,000 people, but I imagine there was a decent number. Here they all came. Why did they come? Well, I think it started with the snake incident, don't you? This man got a, a viper hanging, latched onto his hand, and he should have swelled up and died. He shakes it off and he doesn't die. What was God doing with that? Then there's this Publius's father who was healed. What was God doing with that? Was he making a way for these islanders? There would have been a language barrier. But they can see with their own two eyes, can't they? They know that Publius's father, they know about the snake. And they then began to bring their sick and diseased, and they were healed. What was God doing with the snake incident? What was he doing with Publius? I think he was making hearts ready for the truth, the saving truth of the gospel. But they weren't quite ready for that. They brought first their own sick and diseased, and they were healed. What was God doing? with all of that. Can I tell you a little bit more about what we know about Malta? Malta, not from the scriptures, but from secular history, we learn was, was, was completely, almost completely converted to Christianity as a result of these three months that Paul and company stayed on the island. Publius, that name shows up in history, history, good history, as a bishop in the city of Athens in the late first century, and he was martyred for his faith in 112 AD. Now we're in the, in the year 59. 
How old might Publius have been who had a father who was sick? Roman officials were often in their 30s. So let's say he was 35, just pick a number. 35 and we're in the year 59, call it 60 to make the math easy. So at 100, at the year 100, he would have been um, 75. At year 112, he'd have been 87, right? Is it possible that that Publius is this Publius? A lot of people think it was. What happened to Publius? What happened to Publius's father? What happened to the whole island? There are more churches on the island of Malta. I think I read there are 359 churches to this day. Do you know what else is interesting about Malta? Malta the Maltese Christians stayed true to their faith for centuries. It's predominantly Roman Catholic now. But what I read was that 50% of those are nominal. Now in the rest of Europe, if you could approach 50% as being genuine and 50% nominal, you would be amazed at those statistics, wouldn't you? If those statistics are true, we have not only a great turning to the Lord, but a great staying with the Lord. And these people to this day celebrate February 10th as the day, um, they call it St. Paul's Day, something or other to that. I've forgotten the name of it just this moment. But that probably tra uh, translates to the day when the Apostle Paul and company sailed out of Malta on their way to finish their voyage. What was God doing with a snake? What was God doing with a shipwreck? What was God doing with a storm? What was God... Did he, did God in his amazing, kind and gracious sovereignty know that there was an island of not that many people that he wanted to bring to knowledge of salvation to? Did the storm and the shipwreck, and the snake, and Publius's father's healing, and all of the diseased on the island of Malta. Was there a design to all of that? I think there was. And what do you think? I, I wonder what the conversation between Paul and Luke, when did the, this conversation between Paul and Luke happen? They look at each other and they say, wow. It's almost like God planned that storm and the shipwreck. Do you think that conversation happened? I do. Were these things coincidences? Well, there's an illustration, you've probably heard it before, of a tapestry. On one side of a tapestry is uh, beautiful things, but the back of the tapestry rarely makes sense, doesn't it? Hardly ever beautiful. But you turn it back over and there's this incredible creative genius that's revealed, stunningly beautiful. Well, among other things, I think this story is an invitation. No, invitation is the wrong word. I think this story is an appeal to us to see shipwrecks and snakes and sickness as sovereign interruptions for salvation. And you could add so many more things to that. Shipwrecks and snakes, soldiers, soldiers who wanted to kill all the prisoners, storms, 
A lot of them start with S, but a lot of them don't. Delays? My goodness. A winter? How about loss? They lost everything on that ship. Aren't you glad that Luke, or I mean, we don't know, but I'm pretty sure Luke, if Luke had all of Luke and Acts written on parchments with him that day, he had to start all over, right? They had whatever they were wearing as they got to shore. Maybe a box or two floated, maybe not. I think they basically started over on Malta. How about the kindness of those islanders? What did they buy with? I don't know. Did they maybe have some of their money in a pocket somehow, their gold? I don't know. Shipwrecks, snakes and storms and violent winds and seasons of rain and cold and delay and you just keep working. Loss of all things. Living uh, tradition says that they lived in, uh, that Paul lived in a cave for these three months there. The island has a lot of caves. Did that happen? We don't know. You're going to live somewhere. First three days he lived with Publius, but after that, y'all need to, y'all need to move on now. <laughs> Dad's healed. I think this story is, among other things, an invitation, an appeal to see shipwrecks and snakes and sickness and all these other things as sovereign interruptions for salvation. Publius, if those traditions, if the Publius of Athens is, is the same Publius, Publius's father, the whole nation, the whole island of Malta, and that was the first generation what we realize is that generation after generation after generation after generation has been on, on the island of Malta has been following the Lord. Amazingly, we're, we're given this insight in the opening verses that they treated them with exceptional kindness. But these seem to be a very gentle and kind people. How much of that is, is the gospel responsible for? And that they would stay committed to the Lord. Sovereign interruptions for salvation. How about our lives? What are the shipwrecks and the snakes and the storms and the sicknesses of our lives? Could it be loss of a job? Loss of a dear friend or spouse or child? What is God doing? We hear ourselves ask those questions, don't we? Loss of health, loss of direction, Loss of vim and vigor. Lot more questions than answers. And we're looking often at what? We're looking at the back of the tapestry. And it doesn't look at all beautiful. And we certainly don't see how it all is bringing sense and beauty to it, do we? It just doesn't make sense. And it certainly isn't pretty. Problem is, with a tapestry, we can flip it over. But in our story, we can't just flip it over and see how it all weaves beautifully together. And then we can say to the Lord, oh, sure, yeah, okay, I see what you're doing. He doesn't give us that freedom, does he? Later on, we'll see the tapestry flipped over, but that might be not until we're with him. We might get glimpses of it before then, but might not. Shipwrecks and snakes and sickness in your life and mine are 
sovereign interruptions for salvation. Salvation for whom? For you? I'm already saved. Yeah, but how about people that need to come to know Christ through you? And they're watching. They're watching you in your agony and your pain and your suffering. Somebody need the story? Does somebody need to hear the Lord from you? You're maybe not shaking off a viper in the, in the fire, but the Lord is working in that crisis in which you find yourself. Is it financial? Is it health? Is it otherwise? Frustrations. Sovereign interruptions for salvation. Like I said, when did Paul and Luke and Aristarchus finally look at each other and say, this had to be a divine appointment? God was working wonderful things out so this whole island could come to... Luke doesn't record it that way. And why, why wouldn't Luke put that in? Well, Luke has got a... He's, he's running the... Remember I said how long that parchment was? He's running really close. He doesn't have a lot of space left on that parchment. He had to leave some things out. And besides, Luke is worried about getting us to the story of... with the story of Paul to Rome. But there are clues there. In verse 14, he says at the end, And so we came to Rome, but not at all by a straight way. Not at all a straight way. Not at all a smooth way either, was it? Not at all the way any of us would choose. Are there silences sometimes in addition to the sicknesses and sadnesses? Are there delays? Are there disappointments? Are these coincidences? To the life of the child of God, they are never coincidences. They are sovereign interruptions, perhaps, but with a grand purpose for salvation. Sovereign interruptions for salvation. Lord, we pray that we would see all the things you are doing in our lives, and some of the things, whether we question whether you're engaged at all, whether they're coincidences or hardships even wrought by others' foolishness, like making a decision to go out in a, at the wrong time of the year because of the weather. Maybe it's outright sinfulness on somebody's part that is connected to us, and here we are bearing the burden of these sicknesses, metaphors for all the hardships that we deal with. Maybe it's our own folly. Maybe it's our own sin. Are these coincidences? Or are they a sovereign and loving Heavenly Father weaving together a tapestry that when it is turned over we'll see, oh, oh, there it was all along. Sovereign interruptions unto salvation. Would you give us faith to believe you and to trust you in the darkness, when the sun and the stars can't be seen for many days, when the waves are crashing and the ship is breaking apart, would you give us <coughs> courage and faith to trust you? When a viper latches itself on metaphorically to our hand and we expect ourselves to swell up and die, would you give us courage to trust you that you are working out all these things, not only for our good, but for salvation? And would you open our eyes to see those to whom we can be the message of salvation? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.